Thanks for downloading show 58 of the C-Suite podcast, which is being produced in partnership with the Ministry of Justice to coincide with their Social Mobility Live Week, uh, marking the launch of the Ministry's uh, Social Mobility Action Plan, which aims to ensure that everyone has a fair chance at overcoming barriers to reach their full potential, irrespective of background. And we'll hear lots more about that campaign during this show. My name is Russell Goldsmith, and I'm joined in the studio by an esteemed panel of guests who have plenty of experience to share in this area, all of whom have uh, personal reasons for having a passion for the topic. So quick introductions, we have Matthew Coates, CB, a Chief Operating Officer at the Ministry of Justice and their Social Mobility Champion. Uh, the Ministry of Justice has responsibility for over 68,500 staff and 32 agencies and public bodies across the country. Uh, next we have Dr Louise Ashley, Senior Lecturer in Human Resource Management and Organisational Behaviour at the Royal Holloway University. Uh, Louise has had published articles on this area in leading academic journals And she uh, also has conducted two studies uh, for the Social Mobility Commission, uh, so a good authority on the topic. And finally, we welcome Tunde Banjoko, OBE, founder and chief executive of Making the Leap, a charity that aims to transform the lives of young people by empowering them with the skills, behaviour and attitudes to work their way out of poverty and provide for themselves and their families. So thank you all for joining me today. Uh, Matthew. Let's come to you first. Welcome to the show. Hi, Russ. Thanks for hosting the podcast today. And thanks to Louise and Tunde for joining us. Uh, Social mobility is a really important issue for the civil service. And it means a lot to me personally, too. Uh, My parents were from one of the big council estates in Bristol. I went to a comprehensive school uh, and we were a one parent family that spent time on benefits. The people I grew up with uh, just didn't really think about the opportunities that were there. It, it, It just wouldn't have occurred to us. Well, I want to start by going back to September 2016 and and Theresa May, by then almost three months into her new role of of, uh, Prime Minister, she reiterates much of what she said when she you know, made her first speech outside number 10 as PM and uh, she stated I want Britain to be a place where advantage is based on merit not privilege where it's your talent and hard work that matter not where you were born or who your parents are or what your accent sounds like so we're a year on or, or just over a year on uh, how do you think that's going Matthew what do you think? Uh, pretty well and John Thompson who's chief exec of HMRC Uh, was appointed Social Mobility Champion for the Civil Service uh, in 2015. And I think he's really put the issue uh, on the map. The Civil Service uh, needs to recruit a diverse workforce so that we can be representative of the public we serve. And that's particularly important for our ministry, the Ministry of Justice. Uh, It makes good business sense for us too, uh, because if we take advantage of people from a whole variety of backgrounds, we're just going to get better results uh, for the public. And I passionately believe that uh, where you start out in life shouldn't determine where you end up. Okay, well, I know we're here to talk about your inclusion and diversity strategy at some point. So um, we'll come back to that shortly. But I just want to bring uh, Louise and and Tunde into the conversation. Um, What are both your thoughts on on the state of the nation at at the moment with regards to social mobility? But perhaps to put it into some context, maybe you can give us a a quick background as to why you're both so passionate about it. Louise, let's, uh, let's start with you. So I am now an academic, uh, but before that, for quite a while, for about 10, 15 years, I worked in uh, what I call the real world. And I worked in the City of London in a law firm. And while I was there, I looked around and 
I think having left university, I thought I would be moving into a very meritocratic workplace. And it quickly became quite obvious to me that actually there was a real lack of diversity in the organisations that I was working within. So when I decided to go back to academia, that became the subject of my PhD. At that point, I was looking at uh, diversity strands such as gender and ethnicity particularly. But during my PhD, and I was looking particularly at law firms then, it emerged that social class, socioeconomic background was a real key differentiator in terms of opportunities. And so that became really important in my research. It also coincided with the publication of the Cabinet Office Panel on Fair Access to the Professions, otherwise known as the Melbourne Review. And that has really helped to kick off a conversation around this subject in the UK. Excellent. OK. Um, Sunday. Well, I'm, um, I'm a Londoner born and bred, West London specifically. And my father left the family home when I was eight. Uh, he went back to Nigeria, didn't end up coming back. And I grew up with lots of other young people like me. Um, my mother encouraged me to do the right things. Uh, she told me about the importance of education. She taught me right from wrong. But I didn't listen to my mother. Uh, I was more influenced by my peers um, who were similar to me in that they didn't have examples into the corporate and professional world. Uh, they didn't have the networks. They didn't have the opportunities to get there. And a fair few of them underachieved, well, most of them underachieved, and a fair few of them ended up on the wrong side of the, the law, devastating other people's lives and costing society fortunes in the, in the process. Uh, for me, I was lucky enough to get some level of education. And in fact, when I was 17, my deputy headmaster said to me, uh, I was doing A-levels at the time, he said, if that, I studied really hard, I could get to Oxford or Cambridge. But I didn't study hard, again, because I was more influenced by the, those around me. To cut a long story short, though, I became a father at the age of 25, uh, and that changed my life. I fell into, a few years later, I fell into doing this work with Making the Leap, and I'm really passionate about it because it, it's real. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's how I grew up. Sure. Well, we'll... we'll ask you a few more questions about making the leap um, in, in a second but um, there's something I wanted to pick up on the social mobilities uh, sorry the social mobility commissions uh, 2016 state of the nation report warned that Britain has a deep social mobility problem uh, which is getting worse for a generation of young people and it said that from the early years through to universities and the workplace there is an entrenched and unbroken correlation between social class and success so um, Matthew um, I, I mentioned just before the the MOJ's inclusion and diversity strategy and, and the social mobility action plan I know that you're launching. Could, could you go into a little more detail about what you're aiming to achieve and, and how with that? What we're doing on social mobility is part of our overall uh, strategy on diversity and inclusion, which is uh, led by our permanent secretary, Richard Heaton, and by the overall champion for diversity and inclusion, Justin Russell. So what we've done so far, I think, provides a pretty good foundation, but we want to go considerably further and make more difference. So the plan that we're launching this week starts to tackle uh, things about our organisation, including uh, data collection and tracking routes into work, attraction and retention and progression and extending our schools programme. And specifically, we want to make sure that work experience is available to people on the schools programme and to make sure that we extend mentoring and changing the way that we recruit people. 
and we're holding these events across the country so that people have an opportunity to engage on the issue properly, a chance to think about it and discuss it. The plan's already had a lot of consultation, a lot of input from people around the organisation, as well as leading sector, private private sector organisations and academics and other government departments. So we think it's a good plan and something that will really make a difference over the next few years. Um, Sunday, going into schools and, and working with the young people is obviously a key part of, uh, of what Making the Leaps uh, remit is. C- can you give us a little bit more information about you know what the organisation does in that respect? Yes, um, what we do is we go into schools um, and we try and raise the aspirations and increase the access to opportunities uh, of the young people that we we encounter there. Essentially, what we try and do is we try and, I mean, it's research shows that um, children uh, who get uh, five or more so-called employer interventions are considerably less likely to become neat. And so what we do, uh, working with businesses and others, is we try and give them those interventions. We you know, teach the importance of attitude, we talk, talk to them about concepts of personal responsibility. We, we basically try and help them start to get the type of confidence and develop the soft skills that are really important. Um, even if you have a, a good education, having those soft skills um, are things that quite often are the distance between success and failure. And we, and we work with um, school children to help them get that. But we don't only work with school children, we also work with young adults where we um, have a more intensive intervention that's aimed at helping those young people get the types of jobs that will enable them to work their way out of poverty. And, and then we also work with employers to help them achieve their priorities around the social mobility issue. Louise, I know some of your research is focused beyond the challenges of, of getting onto the career ladder from a lower uh, socio-economic background, which is just the start of the challenge. Could you tell us some of the issues those individuals uh, may face once they, they've actually gained employment? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll try and put a little bit of context behind this. So I think if we look back over the last 20 years, for example, the subject of social class or social mobility fell off the policy agenda for a number of years, particularly during the 90s, I'd say. Uh, It's really positive that now it's something that we're all talking about and organisations are talking about in a great deal more detail. Um, One of the critical things we know in the social mobility debate is making sure that people have access to top jobs, to good jobs, regardless of what background that they come from. And over the last 10 years, there's been quite a lot of research understanding or seeking to understand what the barriers to access are for people who come from less privileged backgrounds. And that's been really, really valuable. And it's resulted in recommendations for organisations to change and improve their practice there. What's relatively been neglected is what happens to those people once they join the workforce. So the relationship between uh, socioeconomic background and career progression has not been investigated in such detail. One issue here is that we're lacking good data, particularly at the organisational level. So not all organisations measure what happens to people on the basis of socioeconomic background. So we do need much better data on that. Um, But we do have anecdotal evidence, and this is generalising, that sometimes when people come from a less privileged background and they enter an organisation where perhaps the culture is dominated perhaps by white middle class men often, that that can cause some problems for them particularly at the early part of their career, one of the things that can happen in the organisations that I look at, which are kind of large law firms and investment banks and consultancies, for example, is people come in from those backgrounds 
and they spend a lot of time in the early days trying to manage their difference to try and work out how to fit in and to understand the rules of the game that are happening all around them. And that makes them different from people who've grown up in a middle-class environment who are already totally familiar with those rules. So they are doing a new and a difficult job, but that's all they have to do. Whereas people who come from a less privileged background potentially are doing two things. They're doing a new and difficult job, but they're also having to learn the kind of general rules of engagement within that organisation. And that, we think, can sometimes lead to perceptions of underperformance. It can be extremely stressful. Um, for people within that situation. But we do need to understand this better with more research. Sure, OK. Well, let's look at the uh, the positives. Uh, progress is clearly being made. Matthew, the MOJ were recently ranked as the UK's 14th uh, best employer for social mobility, according to the uh, 2017 Social Mobility Foundation Employer Index. Um, and you were amongst some uh, some big names in that list, actually, including, so there was Grant Thornton, who, who were top, um, but then that included the likes of KPMG, Standard Life, Deloitte, JP Morgan, and PwC, to name a few, um, in the uh, 13 places above you. But I believe you were the highest ranked uh, government department. What, what was involved in, in, in that whole process? I mean, we think that the introduction of the index is a, a, a really positive innovation and it allows organisations to compare and to learn from each other and we were delighted to be part of that. It gives you a chance to um, reflect on your own plans, to uh, kind of measure yourself against others and to see what you need to do next. And of, and of course um uh, the, the Ministry of Justice was also shortlisted in the uh, in the recent uh, Social Mobility Awards, an, an event um, organised by Making the Leap. So we'll hear more about that when we come back after this quick break. You're listening to the C-Suite Podcast. To listen to all previous shows in the series, you can either visit csuitepodcast.com, follow us on SoundCloud, or subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or in any one of your favourite podcast apps. Please do give us a positive rating and review when you do. Welcome back to the C-Suite Podcast with me, Russell Goldsmith, and my guests, Matthew Coates, CB, uh, the Chief Operating Officer at the Ministry of Justice, Dr. Louise Ashley, Senior Lecturer in Human Resource Management and Organisational Behaviour at the Royal Holloway University, and Tunde Banjoko, OBE, Founder and Chief Executive of Making the Leap, who, as I mentioned before the break, recently had their inaugural award ceremony. Um, so, Tunde, I want to come to you and talk about that. Um, what was your thinking behind launching it, and how did the evening go? Okay, so, well... Um, we at Making a Leap have been working directly with young people in London um, for almost 25 years and we've been working with a number of civic minded companies, great organisations, charities and other individuals who've all supported us. But four years ago we decided we wanted to do more. The issue of social mobility in this country is so vast, so pressing, that as laudable as our work was uh, and as laudable as the work of others was, uh, we realised that as long as it was something that was nice to do rather than a must do that the pace of change would remain negligible so we discussed the formation of an awards event dedicated to social mobility to recognize and showcase what businesses and institutions were doing to promote the issue and by doing so we wanted to encourage their peers their partners and competitors to do the same until every organization in this country like the Ministry of Justice, has a social mobility plan. How many uh, companies um, and businesses got involved in, in the awards? Yeah, I mean, we were really pleased with how it turned out. Um, we had um, 105 submissions from some fantastic companies. Yeah, some from fantastic companies and organisations. 
and uh, the event itself was you know was held October the 12th uh, here in London and it was a fantastic event big winners on the night yeah big winners on the night organization of the year was the weights group right um, KPMG also did very well uh, Ministry of Justice were one of the finalists um, and it was really a fantastic event there was a great energy there and people were excited and and you know everybody was talking about the issue yeah and and the main thing for us is that people were talking about what they were going to do so that they could enter next year because that's what it's all about it's Excellent. all about them doing enough work to get themselves shortlisted and 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 that's what we want to see Matthew you wanted to yeah look, the very fact that this took place is just such a big step forward and you know I got to congratulate Tundi on just a great event and the the commitment and energy and positivity that it took to get that off the ground and I think it it just means that this topic is attracting the attention it really uh, deserves uh, and for our part we were just really pleased to be part of it so honoured to be shortlisted and we had a great uh, time uh, the evening talking to people that uh, we're just doing so much to inspire others and to tackle this issue. Uh, Louise, you work with businesses like those shortlisted in the uh, in the SOMO Awards, to uh, to use its shortened name. What kind of progress are you seeing with, with those companies that you talk to? The really good news is that social mobility is firmly on the agenda for many large organisations, which is great, and they are making good progress. I think, um, as well, it's widely understood now that social mobility isn't just the right thing to do, for businesses, but there's also a strong business case to make sure that organisations are diverse and inclusive on that basis. So the kind of progress we're seeing um, goes across the kind of categories that we saw in the Social Mobility Index, for example. So looking at everything from access to data and collection to advocacy, for example. And the organisations that are doing best are making um, strides in all those different areas. There is quite a lot of variability, though, I would say, in terms of organisations that are at the forefront of good and better practice and those that are slightly lagging behind. But I think over time that's likely to change. OK. Matthew, let's come back to your social mobility plan. Can you explain some of the routes into, into work that the Civil Service um, and the Ministry of uh, Justice can offer? I think the civil service is a great place to work, uh, full of fantastic opportunities. Uh, the work's interesting and varied, and most importantly, uh, you get a chance to make a difference for the public. Uh, it's a place where anyone can get on, uh, regardless of their background, and it's not just in London either. Civil service bodies and jobs are based all around the country, and, and whatever your talents or your interests, uh, I hope there's a place for you in the civil service. We've got roles uh, in science, engineering, uh, being a surveyor, uh, or working in security, and that's just to name a few. I think it's a bit of a perception that you need to have gone to a certain type of school or come from a wealthy background to get on in the civil service, but that's not really been my experience. There's lots of routes into the civil service, and as well as applying directly for jobs on the civil service jobs website, there's a fast stream programme, um, or you can come in as an apprentice. Uh, the people that organise the fast stream have done a brilliant job in making sure that it's more open than ever to people from a variety of backgrounds. Almost 15% of applications last year came from people uh, from lower social economic groups and, and backgrounds, uh, which is double that of the previous year. So well done to them. And uh, on our apprenticeship scheme, some people find it surprising. Candidates have a starting salary of 19000 uh, a year, which we think is very competitive. 
Uh, we're also expanding our outreach program at the MOJ to get more schools looking into working experience, work experience and get more people into these apprenticeship schemes. So there's lots of routes in, lots of ways that people can get involved. Uh, and I think civil service is a brilliant employer, really. OK, uh, here's one for all of you. Um, quotas in business, yes or no? Uh, Tunde, let's start with you. Oh, why do you have to start with <laughs> It was only you, 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 you hadn't spoken for a, a minute, so I thought. <laughs> right, right. Thanks. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I know in this country we, we recoil at the idea of uh, quotas. But um, of course, in the US, uh, where they did have affirmative action, um, there is no doubt that it did play a massive role in giving. Uh, people from ethnic minorities a chance to get on the ladder um, and then once on the ladder uh, they only stayed there by working hard and, and proving that they were as good so I don't think quotas are necessarily the bad thing that we often do in this country I'd like to think of it differently I think what needs to happen is there does need to be some form of access routes uh, to allow those people who come from less well-off backgrounds to get on the ladder, whether that's a that that's done voluntarily, um, and it's probably best if it is done voluntarily. But um, there does need to be ways um, that in increase the access to opportunities for people from poorer backgrounds. Sure, Louise. Okay, so I'd agree with Tunde. It's a very tricky and difficult issue. I don't think we live in a perfect world and I don't think there is a perfect solution. So I think we need to look at quotas within that context. One of the issues with social mobility or with social class is it's a notoriously slippery category. It's quite difficult to know which measures to use in this context. It's also not a protected characteristic. Having said all that, I think if we look at the pro progress we've made with respect to other diversity characteristics within organisations, so for example gender and ethnicity, particularly getting people through to senior levels within organisations, the process, the process has been quite glacial, to be honest. We, we haven't got that far in a lot of cases. And for me, the argument therefore does go in favour of quotas because there's nothing like a quota to focus minds. And we have to remember that being a little bit pessimistic is easier not to do diversity than to do it sometimes. And so therefore we do need those kind of harder pushes, I think, in, in the direction that we all want to go. Sure. For me, it's about getting the culture in organisations right over a period of time, promoting fairness and equality of opportunity for all, making people aware of what's happening in, organi in the organisation um, and making sure the organisation responds to that in the way it acts. Okay, uh, well, Matthew, sticking with you, um, we, we said at the top of this show we're recording this podcast uh, to go out during a Social Mobility Live Week. Um, so tell us a little bit about what the week involves um, and what you hope to achieve from it. Yeah, great, thanks. Um, we'll be in uh, Newcastle, London, Birmingham and Cardiff over the week. And it's... Uh, a set of events where we're bringing people together from inside and outside of the organisation, particularly people that kind of lead the way in this area, uh, people from other parts of government too, and people who feel strongly and got something to say or something to learn uh, here. We want to discuss our plan, showcase best practice um, and challenge ourselves about what we're doing. 
but I don't think it's going to be all just discussion. What we're going to do is take the feedback that we get during the events and make sure that we insert that and kind of input it into uh, how we develop our plan for the future to make sure it makes the most difference we possibly can. Excellent. Okay, I want to start to uh, close this discussion by asking about uh, what you see the uh, future holds in terms of social mobility. Uh, Tunde, let's start with your plans for making the leap um, and whether or not you've got plans to expand your organisation nationally. I guess your utopian goal is probably to put yourself out of a job, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, our utopian goal is we want to see every organisation in this country have a social mobility plan and uh, working on that plan. Uh, we want to see many more organisations have senior champions of social mobility in their midst. We want to see many more organisations thinking about social mobility in the attraction, retention and promotion of talent. We want to see many more organisations thinking about social mobility in creative ways and taking the lead and in involving others. And, and many more organisations embedding social mobility in all that they do. Uh, for us as an organisation, we're a grassroots organisation. Uh, we've got our hands full here in, in London, um, but we, we'd like to support other grassroots organisations in other areas to work in their communities that they know best to help the, the people in those communities get on the ladder and, and make a contribution to this great country. And I just want to get this bit in, it's based on something that Louise says. For us, social mobility is... Even though it's about social justice, it's not just about social justice. Social mobility for us is very much about competitive advantage. You know, there is a massive pool of talent out there in, in the poorer communities. And it's in our interest as a country uh, to tap into that talent because by doing so, we will make the country better both economically and socially. OK, Louise, um plans for any uh, further research for you? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm always interested in doing more research. Um, as I say, I think um, there's lots of great work that's being done and is, is still going on in terms of understanding how we can broaden access to organisations for people from a much wider range of backgrounds, and that's really important. Um, I do think um, this issue on career progression is incredibly important. I think that if organisations are going to widen access at entry level, they have a moral responsibility to ensure that people are not set up to fail within those organisations. And of course that feeds into the business case that Tunde just described as well. It, it doesn't make sense to spend money on widening access and therefore not to make sure those people are coming through the organisation at equal rates with their more privileged peers. So for me, it's trying to understand issues around career progression and also particularly how to support people better within organisations who come from a very wide range of backgrounds. Sunday, you had something to add there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's radio, so people can't see me. I've been nodding my head furiously uh, <laughs> through a, a lot of this discussion. But the, the point that Louise just made there about progression um, is, is one I particularly agree with. Um, at the awards, uh, we had an excellent winner in uh, Metro Bank. But there, it was a category whereby clearly a lot more needs to be done. Uh, once you get people from non-traditional backgrounds into these companies, it is really important that you support them, that you have things like mentoring, that you have things like buddy scheme, that you have programs that help them 
not only survive in the organization, but actually thrive. Because what often happens is that when people from non-traditional backgrounds get into these companies, their attrition rate is higher than the norm. Um, and it's not because they're not capable, but it's just because it's so unfamiliar to them. And, and, and so schemes and, and programs uh, to support them uh, are really important. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's um, in, yeah. Interesting stuff. Okay, uh, Matthew. I'll let you have the uh, the final word. Um, if our listeners uh, want to uh, find out more information about um, the Ministry of Justice, uh, where can they go for that? Thanks, Russ. It's just so important. I, I think that um, the barriers facing the leaders of the future are kind of uh, identified, and that we tackle them, and that everyone has the same opportunity regardless of their background. Um, if you want to find out a bit more about the Ministry of Justice and what we're doing, it's on our website. And we've also got uh, 100 or so roles open at uh, entry levels and uh, as part of our overall recruitment programmes. They're available at uh, bit.ly uh, slash mojjobs. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks, uh, Matthew. Um, an excellent discussion on such an important uh, topic area. So I'd just like to uh, thank my guests uh, once again, Dr. Louise Ashley, uh, Tunde Banjoko, OBE, and of course, Matthew Coates, CB. Don't forget, you can listen to all our previous shows at csuitepodcast.com. Uh, plus, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Uh, just search for the C-Suite Podcast. And if you use iTunes, please do give the show a positive rating and review because that helps us up the business charts and means more people get to hear about this important issue on social mobility. Uh, you can also join the discussion on our Facebook page and Twitter feed, which are linked from the website. And if you want to get involved in the series in any way, you can contact me on Twitter using at Ross Goldsmith or use uh, the uh, contact form on the website. Thanks for listening and goodbye.